eight black fathers will be talking this week about their experiences with fatherhood. They're, they will talk about the relationship that they had with their fathers. Stay fly, stay fly. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. So, I'm, you know, give me full disclosure. I need your name, your age, your marital status, how many babies you got. Are they boys? Are they girls? And how old are they? I need your fatherhood profile. Then we will proceed. Two children. Son is uh, 18. Daughter is 16. Turning 35. Uh, wife and I have been together for over 20 years. Been married for over 20 years. Beautiful. Um, I'd have to say, though, that my fatherhood experience started primarily when I became a mentor in a right to passage group called Manhood Through Uplift. And that was 1991. And my father told me, you need to go ahead and get involved in this organization. Another gentleman who was like a father figure to me told me I need to get involved in this right to pass this process since I had already gone through right to pass when I was a youth and when I finished the program the neophytes started calling me Baba which meant father and so 1991-92 really began my fatherhood experience because I had to live up to that Baba status it was either I was going to be a Baba or a Bubba and so I wanted to be a Baba so since then I've been um trying to act uh, in that fatherhood position okay alright so this was prior to you becoming a biological father yeah 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 easily interesting yeah. I wasn't trying to have kids back then <laughs> interesting it's kind yeah, of I, I think that's a very interesting angle so you began to learn that responsibility from going through a program and kind of the way that people perceive you um, you started having those fatherhood um, instincts before you became an actual um, before you had children of your own I wouldn't even call them instincts it was definitely training um, the men involved the men involved in manhood through uplift um, we really focused on making sure that we we're fathers to the community um, so I really had to make sure I lived up to that Baba status on a on a weekly basis because we got together every Saturday and so that says a lot about the importance of fathers and fatherhood figures because you jumped that off before I even asked my first question but I like the direction that that's going because for those of us who live in the Hampton Roads community we are familiar with you um, as a father as a community figure as a husband and it's, a, it's, it's interesting to hear that you were influenced by a group of men and I think that speaks a lot to the importance of fatherhood and men as father figures in our community because when they say each one teach one so you were taught by many and now you have gone on to teach many and positively affect your community as well so I think that's great um, well I think I think it's important because in our society here in America we really teach our young ladies our daughters Parenthood at an early age. They're playing with baby dolls. They're dressing baby dolls. We got them involved in babysitting. We're doing a lot of things to teach them parenting responsibility skills at a young age. And there's an old adage that we love our boys. I'm sorry. We love our sons, but we raise our daughters. And I think that I've seen that to be very true 
in my time teaching and counseling in Norfolk and Portsmouth and most recently in Virginia Beach where we uh, love our sons but we raise our daughters and that loving the son meant that we're doing everything for them so they didn't have to be responsible and raising our daughters meant that we put a lot of pressure and a lot of guidance and a lot of structure upon our daughters to achieve to be responsible to act parentified at an early age they had to come home and watch their little brothers and sisters while we didn't necessarily um, place that same responsibility on some of our young men and because of that we have a situation where we have a lot of well, you see the fruits of that. I'm not going to speak on it. We have, you see the fruits of it. When we teach people to be responsible and other people not to be responsible, the people that we don't teach to be responsible are irresponsible. And then later on, we get on their case and yell at them and say, you're irresponsible. You're just like this. You're da 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 When you never gave them the keys, the tools, the strategies, the importance of being responsible, you're kind of looking at your brainchild. And, I'm, and it really sounds like I'm putting down a certain group of people. And I'm not necessarily. I'm just saying, hey, this is what we're creating when we don't put these type of structures in place. And traditionally, our people, whether you look at us as being traditionally African or traditionally indigenous, uh, whatever term you want to use, there were right to passage processes that taught young ladies to be mothers and young men to be fathers. And that doesn't exist as well as it needs to on either end right now. So hopefully I didn't jump ahead on any of your questions. All right. You did Let me stop talking. I can go on my well. I, I, can on, yeah, I can get on my soapbox. Pass the honor. <laughs> but, no, 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 no. Put that. <laughs> that was my father. That was my father. God bless you. Remember, you said a lot, and I think that's gonna go back to me saying that the whole thing that I'm doing right here is to talk about the importance of the male presence within our community. And this conversation is not designed to condemn anybody, but it is right now what I want to focus on is the fact that the black men are present and I think that's not brought up a lot. And then to make black men um, even understand some throughout this process who are maybe having questions about their own fatherhood journey or an upcoming fatherhood journey or being a father in the sense of what you were saying before you even became a father to your own children, how important and how much of an impact that has on the community. So I'm going to rewind a little bit and I want to ask you because this is about Seiko today and his fatherhood journey. And like I said, our community knows you as a husband and a father. So we want to get behind that a little bit. So what was your relationship like? And a lot of people in our area know, but for those who don't, what was your relationship like with your father? Oh, um, huh. I miss him every day. You know, I know that, you know, in the laws of life, he's still with me. I'm still with him. Uh, he's just not here in the same form. You know, matter is not destroyed. It just changes form. Uh, I miss him every day. But I got a chance to still hold court with Pops. You know, he still visits me from the ancestral realm and uh, visits me in dreams. Yeah, so I was simply saying that my father was an extreme part of my life. Um, I can't think of too many of the big decisions in my life where my father wasn't present. So, uh, 
most important thing that he taught me was the importance of responsibility of being uber responsible you know when things go wrong you need to say all right i made a mistake no matter if you didn't make a mistake you know the, the mistake may not necessarily fully be yours but if you take credit and take responsibility for your part in it you can totally change the outcome of everything so you know there were things that happened where my best friends made a mistake and my pop said well you had a moment in time where you could have made a simple change and a whole outcome and so we had to find those moments and learning how to find those moments i learned how to make better decisions i had a great relationship with my father you know uh he was present he's still present he guided me in a lot of ways when i was young he beat my tail when my tail needed beating uh, but he also took me places, exposed me to a lot of things. And a lot of the um, lessons that I teach people now are, are lessons that I'm still processing from my father. One of the important things that he taught me was the importance of exposure. You know, he told me a story about how while he was living in Africa, his roommate and they were both involved in a uh, doctoral program. And... Well, so they were both involved in the doctoral program. And my father noted that his roommate partied all the time, stayed drunk all the time, uh, used drugs all the time. Um, and, you know, he was a Caucasian guy. And But he had perfect A's, making perfect grades in school. And my father was saying, I don't understand this. I'm struggling with everything I'm learning in classes. And his roommate told him, well, my father is a head surgeon. My mother was a head nurse. My grandmother was a nurse's, I mean, a dental assistant. My grandfather was a dentist. All my life I've been around people making diagnosis. I've learned about medicine. All, I mean, ever since I was five, I could tell you um, exactly what was wrong with you. I knew how certain medicines worked. I knew how the body worked. He said, so I'm really just here for the paper. You know, he was just there for the credential. And my father had to struggle to learn everything that he learned in his program. And my father's point to me was that some people start off a little ahead of the game and they don't have to work the same way that you do. And so he let me know that I was behind the game and I needed to make sure that I exposed myself early on to everything that I wanted to be involved in. So, you know, if you want to get involved in politics, you need to start early on getting involved. And then when you're ready, you have experience behind you. And so he really taught me to expose myself early to things. And that was a lifesaver to me in school because there are certain things that it takes me twice as long to learn. That was another lesson my father taught me. He said, you know, son, if it deals with reading, you need to read it three or four times for you to understand it. When it deals with music or if it deals with um, math, it may only take you one or two exposures. And once I learned that, I learned that for me to learn something in my psychology class or my history class or my English class or my sociology class, I needed to read that material four times and it took me four times as long to get it. But at the end of the day, I still made the same A as my friend Carlos who only needed to read it one time. And so I learned my learning style and some other things through my father. Sometimes it takes people four times as many times to get things done. A lot of times we call those people stupid. We call those people slow. We call those people dumb. And I was called dumb. I was called slow. 
I was called stupid. People said I wasn't working up to my potential. I wasn't paying attention. And basically I had what people would call now a processing problem, a processing speed problem. I didn't process certain things the same speed that other people processed at. But now that I knew what I needed to do, I knew, learned about my learning style, I was able to excel. And so a person who shouldn't have made it out of high school, and I did. I shouldn't have gone to college, but I did three times, you know. So my point is my father taught me a lot of great things by example, by beating my tail, but also by being present, praying for me and um, being patient with me. Uh, I'm not sure if I answered your question or not. You answered the question very thoroughly. And I think that um, it was a very powerful response. Um, What a wonderful father. And, um, you know, kudos to you for overcoming all of those things and then coming back and being a pillar in our community. I would like to ask you now, with having such a well-rounded experience with your father and all the seeds that he sowed into your life, how do you feel that influenced you as a man in your parenting style, as well as your, your, you say you've been married for 20 years. So in selecting a wife, a mate, and then maintaining that relationship, how does your father, um, your father's influence affect that? Well, one of the most important things I think my father did was he didn't limit my exposure to just him. He surrounded me around a lot of great men and not so great men so I could learn from them. You know, one of the things he did is he would drop me off at the barbershop and it was crazy to me that I'd be in a barbershop and whatever I was struggling with, the barber started talking about it. And so I learned from uh, J-Bob and I learned from uh, Crazy. I learned from all these other men certain stuff and it wasn't until I went to Hampton University I got a clap for that H-U H-I-U all day I was actually clapping uh, you can't see me clapping I, I clap to the screen Deborah, you know, you say I Hampton know you're University, clapping you he's clap. just saying right, H-U so, Hampton so <laughs> so I went to H-U and I came back my sophomore year and I you know went back to the barbershop and my family had moved away from Columbus Ohio to Virginia and so I went back to Columbus to hang out with some of my friends and said, you know, I'm going to get my hair cut at my old barber spot. So I went in there and I was like, hey, how he's like, hey, man, I haven't seen you or your father in a long time. He said, man, I really miss talking to your father. He would tell me all the stuff you were going through. I said, what? He said, yeah, he would tell us what you were going through. <laughs> and he would say, yo, holler at him, you know, talk to him. So I'm thinking this was like serendipity. Yo, he's doing all this stuff in the background. It, it's just, it's just kind of crazy. I've had something like that but... with my dad before. <laughs> <'Cause> I thought... <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was just kind of crazy how he made sure that I was surrounded by men who were some struggling in different parts. You know, I was around men who were struggling with addiction. I was around men who were struggling with being. Uh, law-abiding citizens. I was struggling, I was surrounded with men who were struggling with theological questions. I was uh, surrounded with men who were struggling with academic success, you know, uh, struggling with police officers who were struggling with their place in the community and how well they were truly protecting and serving. I was surrounded with doctors who were struggling with the medical 
um, medical system and if the strategies they were using were truly making us healthier or just keeping us le- uh, locked into a loop where we needed doctors and doctors and medicine. So he surrounded me with a lot of different types of men and I learned something from all of them. And as I've become older, I realized that the common thread was my father put me in connection with them. Uh, you know, and my mother as well. Uh, they worked as a unit. There were times in my life my brother and I would look back and say, I don't know if it was dad or if it was mom, because in many ways they acted as a unit. Um, but I can simply say that one of the things that he did that's impacted my decisions was making sure I was around a lot of men. So when I was looking to, you know, marry my wife, I naturally sought counsel with a lot of different people and say, yo, this is the situation and this is the situation. And, you know, a lot of them helped me understand the blessing that I had in this opportunity to, you know, make a deeper relationship with the woman that became my wife. Um, And a lot of them helped me get some stuff out of my system that I needed to. So I could be a lot more focused and I could see some things. Uh, So I would say that the, wise counsel and the multiplicity of counsel that I benefited from through my father allowed me to make some better decisions on becoming uh, you know, a husband. And my father really couldn't prepare me for the type of children that I gave birth to. Uh, <laughs> all thing he said was, you're going to get paid for all the issue did to me. And <laughs> I definitely have been uh, paid back for that. But he did help me through a lot of the early portions of the struggles of fatherhood. You know, when my wife was pregnant and it was a struggle to it was just a struggle. And he helped me to stay focused and to look past the problems of the pregnancy. You know, I, I got to some point where I was like, yo, I understand why some of these guys dip during pregnancy. Um, but the wise counsel that he gave me allowed me to proceed through it. Um, and that wasn't the only thing. You know, I had already built up my own back and, you know, through his help. And, but I would say that a lot of the things that I learned early on in life and the people that he it did it again. Okay. Maybe that's dad just saying what's up. So what's up, pops? All right. Yeah, so it's hopefully going I answered for a second, your... but then it's it's fine. It's not like it was before. So keep going. Okay. Uh, I think I answered the question. I can't remember. You did. You definitely <laughs> answered the question. And you know something that I think was important that um, I mean all of what you said was great. But again, having that father that father figure present. Um, a man looking out for you and providing an example. And then it seems like your your dad had the foresight to, you know, think I want to make sure that my son is exposed to this, this, and this, that he understood the importance of having a village. And I'm here, a village of men surround you. And I'm just hearing the positive effects of that. Because when you even talked about the situation with your wife and pregnancy and the hormonal changes and how difficult, you know, that or challenging that can be for a couple. The fact that you had a, a council of men there talking to you about that, um, reaffirming to you how to deal with that and how to be present through that. Um, you know, everybody's human and thoughts come up in our head, but you weren't going to dip and bail in the situation and having people there to, um, guide you through that made a difference 
And I think that has to help us to realize, again, the importance of having fathers and men in our community because it may affect, it, it, it totally changes the, um, it changes the spectrum. It changes the, um, it, it provides a space of security, a council there that you're talking about that sometimes if people don't have that, what would the decision that you possibly could have made have been? You know, so I'm, I'm hearing and I think this right. reiterating the importance that we have to realize it takes, you know, the women and the men in our community. And when the men are not there, it has a, 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 our, our, the men are left to try to figure things out for themselves. So we have a responsibility in that. Um, so thank you for that. I would ask you now, I want to ask you, um, what do you feel has been um, some of the most challenging aspects of being a father? Wow. I used to have a podcast called Daddy Man Radio. And in that Daddy Man Radio podcast, which is on YouTube, I would ask four questions. What were four of the most challenging times in your fatherhood experiences? And what were some of the four most triumphant times in your fatherhood experience? And what's interesting is I never really processed my challenging times nor my triumphant times. Well, I would say that, yeah, yeah, you put me on the spot. <laughs> All right, uh, salute that, salute that. I would say one of the most challenging times that I faced recently is uh, the teenage time period when your child becomes their own person and strategically wants to separate themselves from the parents just so they can kind of develop their own personal. Um, and it's at a time when I want to hold on a little tighter, you know? Uh, and so, you know, with my son, it's been, you know, we, we battle. We, 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 with my, my daughter, it, it hurt me a little more when I could see that she was pulling away some, uh, when she was starting to become more embarrassed with me being around, <laughs> uh, that's been a challenging time. Um, another challenging time is being transparent enough for my cha my children to see me fail, and. I realized that at some point, and they helped me realize that they saw the good and the bad. <laughs> so I wasn't fooling anybody. Uh, and so at the beginning, I used to talk to my children a lot about some of my bad decisions, unaware that they were seeing the other ones I didn't talk about. And so realizing that I have to be transparent enough to talk about the things that truly embarrass me and not things in my past, but the things I'm struggling with right now, you know, when those days happen, when I had a dollar left in the bank <laughs> and they had to ask for something, you know, daddy, can you get me this? And I would say stuff like, uh, you know, like, daddy, can you take us to Dairy Queen? Do you have Dairy Queen money? The real question was, did daddy have Dairy Queen money? And daddy didn't have daddy, you know, Dairy Queen money at that time. Uh, so having to say, all right, you know, I don't have the money right now. I made some bad investments. I lost some money on some things. 
Uh, I made some bad choices when I could have made myself a little more valuable. I chose to have more fun. And so now I'm not as valuable as someone else who got the better job or they got the promotion because they were more valuable to the company or to the opportunity. And I party too much. So I didn't make myself as valuable. So I can't do this for you because I made bad choices early on. Um, those Ooh, are hard times. I think times. that's so important. Um, I have times. had conversations with yeah. some of my friends now about how adulting, they need to teach classes. Well, basically, we don't teach children about what it really entails to be an adult. And I think what you're saying as a father, being transparent, being transparent in that way and having those full disclosure conversations with them will have a huge impact on your children. I think that is really, really powerful. Another thing that you said, um, and, and uh, a friend of mine, Deborah, is commenting on here when you said the part about your children, your teen children asserting their independence and how it hurt with your daughter. We were saying about being teenagers and just basically treating our dad like, why are you here? right now like everything about your whole existence is totally ruining my life and we were you know looking back at it being kind of it was mean and you're not thinking about the fact that you're your dad's baby girl and that that's kind of piercing his heart because during that age frame that it was just kind of like argh, argh. you know dad wants to be close and you're like why are you here and I remember something that I did specifically one time that I know hurt my dad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I walk in the room, I walk in the room, my daughter goes, oof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Total utter disdain. Yeah. And she's walking, you're walking yeah. into technically your room, but to us, it is like, this is my room. <laughs> And why aren't you in this room that I pay now bill for? <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and my outlook is, oh man, my battery's going dead. Uh, my outlook on things was a little different. So, you know, when I bought phones for the family, I told my children, these are the phones that you're assigned to. These aren't your phones. These are the phones you're assigned to. And her girlfriends were all getting phones. Well, that's Sally's phone, and that's you know Tanya's phone, and but this is a phone I'm assigned to, you know. And so it, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 yeah it's, it's, it's a, so yeah. okay, you're saying your battery is going dead. Do you have a charger, or is going? Is this video going to go? Yeah, out? I, I, I'll, I'll make this. I'll make this happen. I know how to handle this. Um, okay, okay. So now I want to ask you about yeah, so, you what know, just, are some. What are some of the most triumphant aspects of um, fatherhood? Because I like, well, I'm going to go back a little bit. What you were saying about airing, you know, being transparent with them, that's vulnerability. And I think that it's important for children to see that in their parents and for people to see that in a man. I think that it's very important because I think vulnerability is hard for um, people, period. But men are taught, especially from the traditional sense that you are supposed to have it together all the time and you are, you know, you can't show any vulnerability. And I feel that what you showed 
to your children is vulnerability that you were able to say, you know, um, I don't have all the answers and sometimes I make bad choices and here are the consequences to those choices and when they get a little older and they start to process that because you know having been a son a child yourself they'll be back you know this is that assert my independence time but that closeness will definitely come back and those are some important jewels so what are some triumphant uh, some of the most triumphant aspects of fatherhood that you feel like you know you're patting yourself on the back or you're like this is awesome you know I, I live for this <laughs> uh, well I guess the one of the most most triumphant moments that I'm going to face and I'm going to enjoy it's going to be this Friday when my son walks across the graduation stage boy uh, me and the son went at it you know, to make sure he graduated from high school and now you know he graduated with um, the Governor STEM Academy he has some credentials that only 38 students in Virginia Beach will have awesome uh, he received a nice amount of scholarship money um, I'm, yes. I'm just really proud of the the person that he's become and the work that he's done. So congratulations uh, to that's him. That's going to be one of the most wife. triumphant moments. That's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I can't Another believe he's eighteen. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, he turned eighteen on Saturday. Wow, kind of blows my mind. You know, to think that eighteen years ago, I called in to work. I called it sick. <laughs> I was a counselor in Portsmouth, Virginia at Hunt Map Middle School. And I called in to work sick. And we left, um, went right to the hospital. And, you know, the water broke when we were walking into the hospital. And, you know, went through the whole process. And I was able to catch my son as he came out. And it's crazy because wow. I, vi- I had my, my brother videotape it. So I, I my brother has a video. Actually, I have the video of him coming out, and my brother fainted after he <laughs> after my son came out. Um, and you know, applying the counter pressure on my wife's back because she decided, well, we decided, but she ultimately decided that she wasn't going to use any um, epidural. Um, and and just those first feelings of fatherhood. If you Google my name and is you know google my name there's a blog that i used to keep called uh daddy varner it's on blogspot you, you know if you look up seiko varner and daddy varner you'll find a blog that my brother and two of my cousins used to contribute to and i have one in particular that's called first feelings of fatherhood and i described all the feelings i felt that flood of emotion uh it's it was just a wondrous moment and uh, it was a really overwhelming moment because I looked at my son and we didn't know what, you know, if it was going to be a son or daughter. Um, and just the weight of the responsibility hit me at that moment. You know, my wife was in joy. Ah, and I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> this is real life. I'm uh, responsible for this human. Yeah. 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 So, that was one of the another triumphant moment is holding him the first time. Um, I guess another triumphant moment was watching my son. Uh, we were at the playground. I was at a uh, 
meeting and a cookout, something like that. And it was my son, my daughter, my wife and I, we were walking off and some boy started messing with my daughter. She must have been three at the time. And my son, who's slightly smaller than my daughter, jumped up to her defense. Uh, and this guy was twice his size and was about to dude out. And the dude ran off. Um, to see him protect his sister was a really triumphant moment. Because I, I said, he's getting what I'm trying to give him. You know, he's getting what I'm trying to give him. And watching my daughter run for office, you know, she decided to run for uh, class president. She ultimately didn't win class president, but seeing her assert herself and put herself in a position where she could be criticized, in a position where she could win or lose, her feelings could get hurt, um, but to really want to serve really made me proud. And that was just recently. Uh, just to see that service-minded, that serve, that heart for service in my daughter really made, that was a triumphant moment. So uh, those are four right there. I could probably keep going on. Uh, it would sound real sentimental and real punkish. So I'll, I'll stop. It there. does not sound sentimental and punkish. Stop it. Please stop it. That Those were great, though. Um, and congratulations to your son and your daughter and to you and your wife for doing such a great job. Um, I would ask you, I want to ask you now, um, how has your wife, your relationship with your wife, the woman that she is, affected your fatherhood journey? Or influenced your fatherhood journey? Hmm. You know what? It's... uh. One of the important things is when you're in a relationship, particularly in a marriage, the main focus really is acting as one. And if you put everything else behind acting as one, then everything else falls in place. So finding ways to act as one financially, finding ways to act as one spiritually, finding ways to act as one even emotionally, um, you know, being able to say, hey, I need you to be the rock right now because I'm going to break down. Uh, or saying, I think you need me to be the rock right now. I'll let you take some time. Um, but acting as one, I think, is is crucial. And my wife and I understood that. And she allowed me to lead when I was the best one that to lead. And she notified me when I wasn't the best one to lead and since we decided to act as one I realized there were times when she needed to lead and uh, there were times when I needed to remind her you gotta let me handle this and it wasn't always easy it's not it's definitely work you know it's easier to break up than to stay together uh, it's easier to have casual sex and just have jump offs and hookups and all the other stupid stuff than to have a relationship. Um, because that means, you know, a ship keeps moving. A ship doesn't, it may dock for a minute, but it keeps sailing. And relate means you have to interact with each other. So on a constant basis, you know, your ship is sailing and you have to learn how to relate to each other. And things change. I'm definitely a different person than I am right now. 
she's definitely a different person. I'm not just talking in terms of my weight, because I used to be skinny and kind of muscular. Uh, I ain't that no more. Well, you know, my muscles are there. They just kind of hide, you know, they're hiding behind the fat, you know. They're hiding behind those pastries. They're hiding behind that bread. They're hiding behind the candy. They're hiding behind the sodas and all the bad stuff that I used to eat. And I'm slowly trying to come and, you know, take that costume off. Um, Let me ask you something. But I guess my point is... My point is... Okay, the point I was making is my wife allowed us to work on being us as a one, you know, as a unit. And because of that, that helped bolster my ability to be the father I needed to be. And there were times when people in the family, in the community, in the village had to pull my wife away so I could really come down hard on my kids. And it hurt her, you know. There were times when she had to do that. And luckily, we surrounded ourselves with a village, uh, a village of elders, a village of peers who would notice when those times would happen. And when my children needed to be um, hugged and caressed, the village encouraged us to do that. But when I need to come down and say, you ain't doing this and you're going to pay for this and you're going to face this consequence, the village supported me and my wife had to step back sometimes when she didn't want to. Uh, So I guess... When we focused on becoming one, it allowed her to be a better mother and allowed me to be a better father. I love it. I love it. Um, That's the answer. So many jewels in that answer that you just gave right there. And um, I, I, I know for the people who are tuning in right now and the people who will tune in later, there's a lot to dissect from that. Thanks for um, being open and sharing that. What I would like to ask you, well, one redundant thing that I'm seeing from this interview, interview with you, which is very important, is recurring. I won't say redundant, but recurring is the village. And um, I see that there are a lot of advantages. And I say this a lot. We say it takes a village, but then we don't become active villagers or we don't seek out a village. We don't become an active villager. So from hearing your story, I'm seeing how important it was to have your father and your mother and a village around you. Um, another thing that you said about the whole aspect of leading that you guys kind of developed a a rhythm. I've seen a lot of times in our community, because of course, if, if, if I'm doing it, it's about coming from the perspective of the black community when you throw out a word and you didn't say this, but it it, it alludes to submission and that's a word that just causes a whole lot of chaos these days. How did you guys develop that um, rhythm, that rapport to be able to understand that, You know, like you said, right now, I think you're going through some things. Um, I may need to lead. I'm going through some things or this is my strength. This is your strength. I need to lead. You need to lead. How did you guys develop the ability to do that dance and um, do it together and sync and not fall out? Um, That's an excellent question because I can't say that as intentional as I made it sound, there were times when it wasn't intentional and there were times when we really had to force our way and have three or four day, you know, fits before somebody said, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna let you handle this. And if you screw up, I ain't gonna let you forget. You know, that's... (laughs) 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 Um, (laughs) um, 
So it was the process. Wow. The process, I think, is this. Do things together. Um, one of the things that I highly recommend is a course that Dave Ramsey has called Financial Peace University. And every couple that I've referred to Financial Peace University, let's say I referred 10 of them, three of them went through it and their relationship is skyrocketing. The seven that didn't, most of them are not together or if they are together, it's a toxic relationship. Um, it's something about that particular course, Financial Peace University, though it might be too biblically based for some of my peers, um, even the ones, there's one couple who went through it who are atheists and they learned a lot and their relationship is even better. Um, so we kind of shun away from stupidity sometimes. Well, I mean, we stupidly shun away from wisdom sometimes because we want to prove stuff. But um, doing courses like that, going to uh, couples events, going to other things, you're going to build you as a couple. So you'll walk as one, going to dance class. You know, one of the things that we realized in dance classes, there were certain rhythms, certain songs that I naturally took a lead on. And then there were some songs that I really didn't like that my wife ended up leading because <laughs> she she liked them. Um, so dance classes and other activities that are help you grow together as one. Um, having really involved conversations about decisions before you make them um, is very important. My wife can make some really quick decisions and sometimes I can as well, but if it's a decision that's important, when we say, hey, we're not gonna move on it for three days, and then for those three days we talk through it. That have impacted our family in a negative way as many times as we probably would have because we, we don't allow ourselves to make snap decisions. So when people say that, uh, hey, there's a time limit on this opportunity right now, because of the wisdom that we've had through our relationship, we let those opportunities go, you know, so things that only happen in a short period of time are only going to happen. You only have the opportunity for a short period of time. All right. You're only going to get this rate for three days. All right. Go ahead with that. We ain't messing with that. Uh, if you don't buy this car right now, you know, someone else is going to come get it. All right. You know, you can sell it to the next person. You know, those type of decisions. If you don't buy this house right now. It, OK, cool. We're going to take three days and work through it. And if the opportunity is not here, when we finish working through it, we're going to end up with something better. And that's what we found out, that uh, we have to work together on everything. And. I, I guess I went back in a circle and I'm not sure if I really answered your question that time. Um, well, I think you have answered the question. You've definitely answered the question and then you add some extra jewels in there. Another thing I want to ask about this, because when I selected the fathers, you know, I have some married fathers. I have some single fathers, some divorced fathers, different backgrounds. And you happen to be one of my married fathers for 20 years. Um, of marriage so I definitely have to tap into that because I feel you have some jewels to offer at one point when you were talking you said that it's easy it's easier to um, be out there and just you know having flings or not be committed or do you know whatever that lifestyle may be but 
you've been in a marriage for 20 years. So can you speak on the advantages? Because clearly if it, um, there have, there have to be advantages that you feel are there by being in a marriage and, you know, having a family. What do you feel like while you speak of the challenges? And I think sometimes a lot of single people, we hear people say a lot of times, Oh, if you talk about marriage, the first thing they say is it's hard. And so, um, anything that you're going to, you know, be in for 20 years, if it's business, if it's, you know, whatever, it's going to have its challenges, but what are the advantages? What makes you why, why are you in this 20 year and counting, um, relationship marriage? And what would you say are the advantages to that? Well, I actually think because it's hard, it becomes more valuable. I'm going to let that marinate. The things that are hard are the things that are more valuable. So coal will warm you up, but once it gets really hard and becomes a diamond, it becomes more valuable. All right? A man who's just starting to work out, if he's just laying around on the couch, it's easy. But when you start working out, that's hard. But you become more valuable. You actually start getting a lot hit on a lot more <laughs> when you're physically fit uh, than when when you're not. Uh, it's harder to keep your hair looking good, ladies. I know that. I get that. All right, and you get more compliments. You get more benefits. You become more valuable when you do the hard work. If you're gonna, if you're a Christian, following the dictates and the road that Christians follow is hard but you become a more valuable person or if you're Islamic you become a more valuable person when you really follow um, the the words of the prophet Muhammad or if you're involved in Santa Haria or Yoruba culture or if you're involved in Vudan, uh, voodoo, something of that nature, when you follow the dictates of those beliefs the structure of that, you become a more valuable person when you do the hard thing with your finances, when you invest it and you pray that it's going to give you a return to a person. The, the things that are hard make you a more valuable person. And a lot of times we just some and we want things the easy way. And relationships, if you just go for the easy relationship, you might have a little bit of fun, but me and my wife have a whole lot of fun. You know what I'm saying? All right. If you go for the hard stuff, you become a more valuable person. And and, and and so, does that mean you stay in a toxic relationship? It's easier to stay in a toxic relationship than it is to leave a toxic relationship. So what's the better thing to do? Leave. Because it's the harder thing to do. You see what I'm saying? It's, yeah, you it, dropping some jewels. harder to leave. Uh, it's harder to leave. It's harder to leave a bad relationship. I'm sorry. It's easier to stay in a bad relationship than it is to leave, or else more people would leave toxic bad relationships. So what I'm saying to you is, as a single person, I was like, "Oh, it's hard to be married." Cool. I ain't getting married. I'm just going to be easy, soft. I'm going to have a whole lot of fun. And then when I really realized that I have to marry this person, and it was hard. You know, it was hard giving up some of this. It was hard giving up my single. 
life. But I'm a more valuable person now than I ever was then. And are you happier? I'm not saying that we could say that again. Are you happier? That's a piece that I think people really need to investigate. When you're in a great relationship, you're going to be happy. When you're in a bad relationship, you're not going to be happy. But the problem really isn't the relationship. The problem is, are you involved in something that brings you joy? So let me put it this way. Let's say you're in a a easy relationship. Sex might be good. Sex was real good. Um, But you're happy when you know that you're loved. You know what I'm saying? Uh, So, you know, that's a that's a hard question to give a easy answer to. That's a hard question to give an easy answer to. The hard answer is you're happy when you're involved in things that make you happy. So if it's a relationship, you're going to be happy. If it's you're happy when you're reading books, you're happy. If you're happy when you're DJing a party like I like doing, you're happy. You're happy when you've achieved uh, a successful sales transaction. You're happy. You're happy when you do things that make you happy. So the relationship itself is not what makes you happy. But if you're in a relationship that makes you happy, you're going to be happy. And I know it sounds like I'm talking in circles and I'm being nebulous and I'm not really answering the question. But we can't put our happiness in the other person. We can put our happiness in something that makes us happy. So the fact that my wife and I can come up with some great ideas together makes me happy. That we can have some good times and interact together, that makes me happy. But it's not her making me happy. It's what we put together, we build together, that kind of makes me happy. So um, I can't give you an easy answer. That's a hard question. And it would take a while for me to process and give you the, the easy sound bite. I can't give you a sound bite right now. I get what you're saying. And I think to more so what I was asking, because when people do the comparison about single life versus married life, the the life when you when you spoke of a comparison before when you were single and the life that you have now um, being a married man. You know, I was just asking, are you um, with that life that you all have created? um, Is it more joyful? Is it more happy, you think, than in comparison? Did it add more value um, than if you... I think it did, but I also grew. I'm not the same person I was. Did you grow as a result of being in? Do you think you grew that? Because I would imagine being in a, a marriage for 20 years has contributed like the aspects of that marriage have contributed to your growth because I, I I'm, I'm thinking that 20 years going that way single and 20 years going that way married do you think that it would have produced the same person who you are right now oh well part of it is I grew older and I grew wiser during the time that I've been married. Yeah, everybody doesn't grow wiser yeah. just because they grow older. No, 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 no. What I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. But what I'm saying is, as a 49-year-old person, 
I'm a very different person than when I was 21. And it's hard. It would be an unfair comparison for me to judge my happiness at this point in my life and the things I'm involved in with the happiness at that point in my life and the things I was involved well, in. Well, no. It would be a really unfair comparison. No, no. I'm saying that I believe that being married, the 20, if you, Seiko at 49, if he had remained single, and Seiko at 49, as a 20 year, a, a husband of 20 years, I think those two people, do you think that those two Seikos would have been different or they'd be exactly the same? They'd be different. They would definitely be different. So, so my question yeah, was I mean, just kind different. of but the influence of the, the life, the path that you chose being a, uh, a husband of 20 years and a father um, of, of for 18 years. Is it, is it joyous? Do you think, um, because I, I just think people make these comparisons. So I'm asking questions based off of a lot of things that I hear people say and how I think these questions could serve, um, you know, people, just conversations I've had with different humans. So are you the, the, the path that you chose? Do you have regrets? Like, oh my gosh, you know, I, that I wish, you know, that other path, or do you feel this is a joyful path that, you know, brought value to you that you you know it's a it's a joyful situation that you're in i know it sounds like a simple question <laughs> uh so i'm very happy with the life that i'm currently involved in uh my my lovely wife my lovely children and the things that we've built together when i was single i was happy as well and i think one of the reasons that i yeah, attracted and like my you wife said, you is were because i was happy <laughs> uh, so I've been happy the whole time because I learned that the things that make me happy are things that I need to be around and the things that make me unhappy I walked away from them so I knew that at 21 I know that even deeper now at 49 so and that's a hard it, question to ask you anyway because I'm not even thinking about the fact that you were so young you know, for you to even do a comparison on on that, you were like young when you got married. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it was interesting. My wife and I were just saying how we're at the point now we've been married longer than we were single. Uh, so at any rate, um. I just know that in terms of fatherhood, surrounding yourself with good counsel, learning as much as you can, being open to making mistakes, and working to make sure you have a great relationship with the mother, your children, and the family that comes along with that um, has led to a lot of my success. And I would say to fathers who were re-entering the lives of their children. Yes, that's where... When you re-enter the lives of your children, you're entering the lives of not only that child, but everybody who has surrounded themselves with those children. Uh, so one of the things that I'm heavily involved in, and you know, every year we do a conference called A Stronger Village. And in that conference, we have messages for single mothers who are raising sons. We have messages for fathers who are returning into the household. And we have messages on how to be a father to young men 
because we realize that the culture of America doesn't necessarily teach young men to be fathers before they become fathers. Um, so during that event, one of the messages that keeps coming back to us is that you can always reenter the life of somebody that you walked away from, but you just have to get through the pain. You have to get through the hurt. The I have problems when people say that men aren't in, uh, fathers aren't in the community. They're there. They're in the community. They're just not as active in their families in some situations. And if you want to become more active in the life of your children and those people who guided and molded and raised your children in your absence, you just got to put up with a lot of the bullshit. Because <laughs> all the anger that those people have held, not just the children, but the people who cared for your children, they want to get rid of that anger before they allow themselves to be vulnerable enough to allow you to come back in. So take the anger, take the junk. They're going to lie on you. They're going to look at you strange. They're going to say things that aren't necessarily true. But there's an organization called Fathers in Training that I work with. And Fathers in Training have a, a, a three-part mission to be present, um, to be a provider, and to be a protector. And to be a provider doesn't mean you actually have to have money. It simply could be providing emotional support. It simply could be providing encouragement. To be present, to be around, they have to see you. And to be a protector means you have to not only protect yourself from your faults, but you have to protect your children from your faults. So you have to be present, you have to provide, and you have to be a protector. That doesn't mean that the child's mother can't be any of those three. It simply means that that's your duty for yourself. And if there are any fathers who are watching this who want to create a better relationship with their children, Find the organization Fathers in Training. They meet in Virginia Beach every Monday. It's a 13-week uh, heavily intense group where we struggle with all forms of fatherhood issues and we work through those so that we can be present, we can provide, and we can be protectors. And keep in mind, along the way, people are going to say, we don't want your presence. Uh, keep in mind along the way, people are going to say, we don't need you to provide. Uh, keep in mind along the way, people are going to say, we don't need your protection. But they're really just getting the anger and stress off of their chest, off of their shoulders. And once you get past that stress and that anger, then slowly you can be more present. Slowly you can provide and slowly you can be protector. And I've seen it happen with fathers who re-enter the life of the child after coming out of prison for 20 years uh, who walked away from the family who been able to come back in and it may take them five or six years to get back involved but they're back involved I, I can see it work it takes time but look up fathers in training and they'll help you along the way and with that uh, I gotta bounce that's cool and I, I just want to say that I think that was something um, very valuable that you just stated right there um, because it's like you're giving somebody the tools because that was the next question I was going to ask you if you had any advice to men who have not been present in their children's lives and people make choices 
And if you make choices to not be present or circumstances make you not be present, people experience things as a result of your absence. And you do have to understand when you come back that it may not be that easy. But I like what you're saying. Stay the course and be prepared for these things. Like, you know, you have to understand when you come back. Those are things that you may have to deal with. And another thing real quickly, Deborah said I my previous question that I asked you was not fair. And I do want to say this. The reason why I was asking those questions in a community, it seems that we're moving away from expecting or wanting a, a, a two parent situation when we have children. And so I wasn't asking you that question to pry. But to just um, give an understanding from a couple, from a person, from a man who has been involved, who has been married and had his children with his wife for 20 years, just what that means and how you feel and different questions I've had. I've heard people ask because I've heard some people almost feel like that that's not happening now or that can't be done. And so getting your insight in that way was something that um, I think is valuable and that is going to pay off to a lot of people. Not trying to pry. Um, just I think you notice that too, that, you know, when that concept, baby, daddy, baby, mama, and not knocking anybody's situation. My parents weren't married when I was born, but it's good to see couples and to hear what couples have to offer. And you did a great job of being very um, upfront and honest and painting that picture for us so thank you well i would say that i would simply say that question wasn't for her that question was for somebody else <laughs> and then somebody else got the benefit of that question it just wasn't for her you know well um, i think she just felt like i life. was putting you in a in an unfair position to um ask you that question and so i didn't want you to feel that way that um I, it was an right. unfair and question to you to her, i just <laughs> she was taking her your side. For sticking up she, for me. Yeah, yeah. She was yeah. taking I, I, your I, side. I, she, was, she was getting at me. I, I appreciate that. I love her for that. I thank you for that. I salute her for that. I still say that that question was for somebody else. Um, and someone else is processing that question, and they're going to become a better person because of you asking that question. So, uh, awesome. and, and someone and else is going to become a better person because they felt the same way she did and so in both cases people are growing from it. so i salute you on that and yes, thank uh, you see Seiko, and thank you everybody who tuned in remember um part oh. two the second go ahead one last thing uh i'm running for virginia beach city public yes. schools okay so if you live in virginia beach then on november 6th then I invite you to vote for me. I want to have schools that are safer. I want children that are smarter and I want programs that are stronger. I want our children safer. I want our children smarter and I want our programs stronger. And I can do that if you provide me with your vote and your support. I need your vote and I also need your financial support. So if you can give me both of those, I truly appreciate that. Choose Seiko Varner is the website. You can find me on Facebook, choose Seiko Varner uh, I want things safer, smarter and stronger and Star, I love you for this girl, talk with you later. Alright thanks Seiko and thanks everybody for tuning in we have another one this evening at um 8pm with Kendall Davis so you guys tune in he is our young father, he is a millennial 
and he is coming from that perspective so see you guys again at 8 p.m i'm doing two a day y'all because i'm crazy but this needs to be had this conversation needs to be had so thank you for all these jewels seiko like you said um it's changing somebody's life affecting somebody's mind their heart and everything so and i can't wait to come to your victory party stay fly 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 stay fly